those that are new, they're like, this is a social church, man. They just talk all the time. What is this, interrupting worship? No, we just want this time to be one that uh, is worshipful, that we're spending time with each other. And um, the way that we know we love God is how we love one another. So, everyone, make your way in. I hear Jeremy out there. Riedel, get in here. Let's go, people. Let's make it happen. Uh, <laughs> so... You know, I'm in Wisconsin, so you have to tell Polish jokes in Wisconsin. If anyone's Polish, I'm sorry. So uh, just go with it um, this morning. Um, uh, I like My sister-in-law is Polish. I have nothing wrong with Polish people, but this is a fun one. So a Polish man moved to the U.S., and uh, he married an American girl. And uh, despite his, uh, you know, kind of language barrier and not understanding everything, they just had a, they had a great marriage, a wonderful marriage. But then... Uh, one day, just surprisingly, he ran to his pastor and he was very frantic and says, I want a separation from my wife. And the pastor started asking him questions about it and said, have you any grounds? And uh, the Polish man says, yes, an acre and a half and a nice little home. No, no, no. I mean, what is the foundation of this? And the man said, it, it's made of concrete. No, I don't think you understand. Does either of you have a real grudge? No, we have a carport, and not we don't need one. And so finally, the pastor was so frustrated and said, "Okay, just why? Why do you want to break it off?" And the man says, "She's going to kill me." And he says, "What makes you think that?" He says, "I got proof. What kind of proof? She's going to poison me." She, she bought a bottle at the drugstore and put it in the shelf in the bathroom, and I can read it, and it says, Polish remover. Uh, ba boom Polish remover, okay. Just go with it, okay. I can only do those once in a while, those kind of jokes. Lost in translation. We hear, but do we comprehend? We hear, but do we listen? And in Proverbs, we have heard a lot of topics, haven't we? And this is the end of the book of Proverbs um, the preaching schedule, and we're going to be going into the book of Jonah in the fall. And uh, the book of Proverbs, we have learned many things, whether it's about marriage or we've learned about parenting, we've learned about sex, we've learned about um, things about friendship and work and money. We've heard lots of topics. We even have discussion groups about it. We've been intentional. We said, I'm going to be intentional about a certain area. I could read a book out there. I can pray about it. I've made tweaks. Well, just because we've done all of those things, have we become wise? Just because you've made tweaks, just because you've been intentional, because you've heard all these things, has it made you wise? And maybe you say, yeah, yeah, okay. I've made the tweaks, I've been intentional, I've done all those things. However, I think even if you've done all those things, and you haven't done what's going to be taught today, it's not going to matter at all. And that's the ability to listen and to be teachable. It won't matter in the long run. All those things you've learned, you will not be wise you will not be following that path if you are not able to listen and also to be teachable. 
Instead, you will continue down the road of folly. So today, as we look at the book of Proverbs and some different selections, we're going to look at that topic of listening, of being teachable. So go with me to God's Word. Let's pray in your worship guide. Page 7 here. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will, will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but with those who take advice, to take advice is wisdom. Whoever despises the word brings destruction on himself, but he who reveres the commandment will be rewarded. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life. The one may turn away from the snares of death. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Cease to hear instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, for he will despise the good sense of your words. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will attain mercy. If a wise man has an argument with a fool, the fool only rages and laughs, and there is no quiet. He who has ears, let them hear. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let us pray. God, help us to listen today. To let what your words are not just go in one ear and out the other, but change us and transform us. Son's name. Amen. Again, the book of Proverbs. And we have said Proverbs is a book about wisdom. It's skill for godly living, as we've said over and over again. It's the ability to take knowledge and ideas and use them in the right time in the right place. So the question is, just because we've had all this advice in Proverbs this summer, We've seen all these things, and we've heard all these things. We've gone to all these discussions. We've read books. Does it make us wise? And that's a question that is continued to be asked from the Father to the Son. I said this. So the book of Proverbs, chapter 1 through 9, is a large allegory. It's a father speaking to a son about what wife to choose. And the allegory is there is one wife, Lady Wisdom, who he should follow. And there's another woman, Lady Folly, who he should not. One, again, is the way to God. And one is the way to idolatry. One is the way to life. And one is the way to death. 
And then in the end of this discussion in chapter 9, the father does this. He, in the first six verses of chapter 9, gives us kind of an, a picture, an idea, an illustration of what lady wisdom looks like. I read it to the kids earlier. And then at the end of chapter 9, he gives us an illustration and a picture of what lady folly looks like. But this is where it's really interesting in chapter 9. Because in between these two pictures of what Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly are, he gives us these verses, four of them. And in these verses, he clearly shows us what it looks like with someone that follows wisdom and what it looks like for someone that follows folly. And what he says in these verses is critical and crucial to what it is to follow wisdom. And to follow all these things from chapter 10 to 31. All these little proverbial pithy things. He gives us this. And I'm going to read a couple of the verses there. 7 through 9. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse. And he reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. I'm just going to tell you what I'm going to say today, right now. The principle and what you're supposed to get. The simple point is this. If you want to be wise, listen. Be teachable. If you want to be wise, like it said there, listen and be teachable. Okay, I'm done. That's it. I can just leave now, right? That's all you got to do. Right? Simple, simple point. <laughs> you don't you wish the pastor could leave that early? No, he can't. He's got to keep on talking, right? But here's the thing. As much as I can say that point, oh, I am a listener, you say. I'm teachable. Are we? Are you a listener? Are you teachable? I love the frog in the pot illustration, right? You know, it's, you know, you don't, Ellie's around here, sorry, Ellie, his frog story about a frog going in a pot. But um, if you put a frog in a hot pot already, what do they do? They jump out, right? So what do you do to cook a frog, right? You uh, put it in a cooler pot and then you just turn up the temperature and then it just will stay there. I think that is an illustration of how we think of our listening. Are we in just the hot pot that gets turned up? That we're sitting there cooking, <laughs> dying, because we are not listening, because we are not teachable. Oh, we're fine. No problem. I know what it means to live in hotness, what it means not to be teachable, not to be a listener. I think many times we are just in that pot cooking. And the father tells the son, you too will cook. You too will die. You too will be led to destruction if you do not become a teachable person. So I want to go through these Proverbs here. And I want us to kind of see a litmus test, a gauge 
Are you a teachable person? Are you a listener? Are we listeners? I'm talking to myself, too. So these Proverbs give us this litmus test. So let's look at them together. The first one, litmus test, are you a scoffer? Are you a scoffer? Again, this is chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. The word scoffer in Hebrew is left. It means to turn aside. It can also be interpreted as scorner, a mocker, a babbler. It's someone when they are given a way to live, they literally turn aside. They don't want to listen. And the way they show they don't listen is maybe they scorn it or mock it or whatever it might be. And uh, I think there's another word for that in the 21st century, rather than scoffer, probably a word you don't hear very often. Um, we use a little bit better spin on it. A skeptic, <laughs> a critical thinker, right? I remember, uh, I, made, I remember getting a tongue lashing from a professor in college, not a Christian professor. So the whole class is a philosophy class. And she said, you know what the problem with your generation is? This is after we're debating in philosophy. She's, this is a very smart woman. What the problem with you guys is? You guys are so good at destroying and criticizing and tearing everything else down. But you don't know how to build up anything yourself. Ooh. It is true. We are so good. Or that's right. This postmodernism, right? Deconstruction, right? We love deconstructing, don't we? Isn't it nice not have to live by any principle, but instead just to be transcendent over it and just go, oh, can you believe that person lives that way or that person does that? It's so fun to transcend any way of living because then we don't have to live any way and no one can criticize us because we're just above it all. Do you do that? Do you just blow people's opinions off? Do you snap when someone says, you know, this is the way that you should live? When someone gives you a, a worldview, do you say, I, I don't have to hold to anything, I just hold to myself? Scoffer. Now, Proverbs 13.1, it says this, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Now, the word instruction here continues, and it's used throughout the Proverbs, especially when it's talking about listening, and also it talks about commandments. It's referring back to Deuteronomy, specifically the law, and about the word of God. Will you hear the instruction that comes from God's word? Will you listen to what God says? Um, I... I, I like reading the Bible. Um, it's fun. I think the stories are kind of cool. Um, it talks about some people that are really messed up. Um, and when anyone says to me, yeah, I want to be like David, no, you don't, okay? <laughs> in some parts, yes, but in others, definitely not, okay? And the thing is, many times we can go, oh, man, I'm glad I am not like this person. I'm glad when it talks about the Psalms about an enemy or it talks about one that is a liar, it talks about Jesus, talks about what is in your heart, that is not talking about me. It might be talking about other people. And many times we can fall into that trap. But the thing is, the Bible characters and what, why I believe the Bible is so true is because it gives us a good picture of humanity. 
people's fears, their anxieties, their selfishness. It echoes to us. And many times we don't put ourselves in the story because we see the end. Oh, didn't you get it, disciples? Jesus was God. He would raise from the dead. Instead of seeing in the moment the disciples were in, there was anxiety and fear and wanting to be on top. Wanting to be in control. And a person that does not listen to rebuke is a person that does not see that they are in this story. That they too are like the disciples. They too are like those that are enemies to God. They too are people that um, go against Him. So when you read this, do you see there's instruction for you? Or instead, do you just take that instruction and command and set it off? So number one, are you a scoffer? Number two, do you tune out the correction of the word? Number three, and this is 13.10. By insolence comes nothing but strife, but those who take advice is wisdom. Do you have strife? The NIV, I think, interprets this one a little bit better. I like its translation. They say this, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Do you have continual strife in your life and relationships? Are you one that argues with many people? Are you one that can keep a friendship for a long time? Are you one that friendships come and go, relationships come and go because of a conflict? Are you a loyal person? Or do you continually run into conflicts with coworkers, your boss, whatever it might be? I like this interpretation of humility. It comes from a book called Instruments in a Redeemer's Hand. I really like this book. And it says this. Humility is this. It's the ability to say, I do not have in myself all I need. Humility is this. I do not have in myself all I need. You see, a person that's humble, when you are corrected by others or corrected by the word, there is less strife because you realize, you know what? I don't have everything. And I can learn from the correction or the rebuke that comes from my friend or my spouse or a colleague or a boss. I can learn from them. I remember Spurgeon tells a story about um, a bunch of pastors together, and they're talking about a young minister. And they say, this young minister is so talented. He's so gifted. He can preach. He can shepherd. He can do all these things, right? You know, the jack of all trades. He's amazing. But then one of the ministers says, but he hasn't been humbled yet. And then they throw off all the gifts that they, he had. All the abilities they had. Oh, not good. Not good. You see, even if you have gifts, even if you have abilities, if you are not humble, you will not grow. If you are not teachable, you will not advance. You know, sometimes that strife doesn't happen with other individuals. Sometimes that strife happens with God. Are you one that wages a battle with God? Which is fine to do. 
But I would ask you, are you asking God the right questions about the battles that you are dealing with? What are the questions that you say to God in your strife? Why are you not working in my life, God? Are those the questions? Where are you, God? Are those the questions? But instead, if you realize that you do not have all that you need, but instead God knows all things and he is all good working in your life, maybe the questions would move from, where are you, God, to why don't I recognize where God is working in my life? The questions will start to turn to those. Do you have the teachability to ask that question? <laughs> Do you have the ability to say to God, um, why am I not recognizing that I'm hitting the wall over and over again in this matter? Next. 15.12. It says this. A scoffer does not like to be reproved. He will not go to the wise. Do you avoid hard conversations? See, here it says the scoffer, the mocker, who, uh, the, again, a word that's used over and over again, less, is they don't want to be corrected. They want to avoid the wise person that might tell them the way that they are supposed to live. Uh, there's uh, some great books on political leadership, especially presidential leadership. You want to talk about people that have to make big decisions as presidents. And uh, uh, one book that uh, started to coin the frame groupthink. I don't know if you guys know that term, groupthink. And it analyzed uh, some different presidents in uh, making really horrible decisions and, uh, and one president that made right decisions. And it found this. That when a president surrounded themselves with advisors that told them that they, what they wanted to hear, things did not go well. But instead, the president that was wise and a good leader, that's called a groupthink, just you know. Groupthink is when you just all come to consensus and there's no kind of against it or pushback. That's called a groupthink. But the presidents that had people that disagreed with them, that said there's a different way you should go, they made good decisions. Are you one that surrounds yourself with people that love you and care about you, that can tell you where you need to be corrected? Have you asked this question to someone this year? What do I need to change in my life? Have you asked someone, a friend, someone that loves you? What do I need to change in my life this year? I hope we all, I, I'm afraid to ask that question of Erin. You know, I know what we're going to get, you know. But if she loves me and cares about me, why couldn't I ask her that question? If there is a friend that I know loves me and cares about me and is for me, why can't I ask him that question? You know me. What do I need to change in my life? And will you even take the next step? God, what do I need to change in my life? I dare you to ask that question. And then go to his word and read it and pray on it. God, what do I need to change in my life? Do you avoid the hard conversation? 1533. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom. In humility comes 
before honor. Before honor. Um, we've talked about this often. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And uh, fear can many times have a connotation of um, just uh, scared or trembling. But fear also has an idea of being in awe. And I've said this over and I'll say it over again. We all fear something. We fear not being a success. We fear our kids not turning out, maybe. We fear not having our own personal time and freedom. We fear having being in a bad job. We fear B.J. Raji being out as nose tackle. I don't know what it is, you know. Those are fears, man. But these are real fears. And the thing is, if we fear the right thing, God, we will come into the, in the right place. The truth is, fear of anything that is the creation rather than the creator will lead to anything but destruction. And Proverbs talks about this over and over again. Anything that is the creation, not the creator, is an idol. And if you make it a god, it will destroy you. But if you fear God himself, it will bring you life. Um, proving this, in the, this is, I think this is the biggest issue in the valley. Okay? And I think it's the biggest issue in the valley because of this. We are so good at actually genuflexing and spiritually genuflexing, doing all the right things that we need to do, rather than asking the hard questions and actually believing that we need to follow God. We are so good in the valley of going to church, knowing the right answers, growing up in a religious culture, that when push comes to shove, when it really comes to, should I follow God in this situation, or should I follow myself? Should I fear God, or should I take the reins in my own hands and live my own life? Many times, as much genuflexing as someone does, as much church culture as someone has, they will continue to live by that mode. I can control my own life, versus saying, I'm going to let God control my life. And behind that, I think, is what I call the feeder beliefs, doubts, that people won't actually wrestle with in church. And it allows them to rationalize that I don't really need to listen to God. And the rationalization looks a little bit like this. You know, I really don't need to listen to God because there are many ways to God. How do I know Jesus is the right way? Some people ask, the Bible can be interpreted in so many different ways. It can be parsed in so many ways. There can, there's so many revisions through history. How can it be true and really be the way I'm supposed to live? You know, organized religion has so much injustice. Why should I listen to anything the church says? If I really have to choose between listening to the church or listening to the word, I better get on in my life myself. Maybe you have those doubts. You have friends that have those doubts. We're going to talk about it extensively when we talk through Jonah, because I think it talks about those ideas of defeat or beliefs. Do you doubt your doubts? Do you really question those things? And maybe you have them. I would hope we can... This, I hope Emmaus Road is a church we can talk about them <laughs> openly and honestly. I'm not scared. Okay? If I truly believe what I'm saying up here, I believe God will give us truth. And even through these very hard questions, there are answers. 
And I hope you would come with them, those questions, and that we can go into the Word together, that we can answer them, that we can see them, rather than just saying, oh, I come to church on Sunday morning because that's what I'm supposed to do, but really when it comes to listening and being teachable and following what God says, I don't do it because (laughs) I don't believe it. Okay, so... 1533, are you your own authority? And then, lastly, do you take it seriously? 1710, it says this. Oh, sorry. Oh, let me go. 17, yeah, 10. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. One of my favorite proverbs. It's very visual. A fool can be literally beat can literally be bludgeoned and not get it. But a teachable person, when someone corrects them, it makes them go, I should live a different way. Are you a one that lets your conscience just go, okay, I need to act differently? Are you one that when you hear these things, you take it to heart and live a certain way? Okay, good. Now, That's all said. There's the marks, the litmus test. Are you a teachable person? Are you one that listens? Are you one that's wise? Now let's look to the wise. I'm quickly going to show show this. The wise person is very interesting here. The wise person described in Proverbs is not one that has it all together, that has figured it all out, that has all the answers. In fact, it says the exact opposite. The wise person is the most teachable person. The wise are the ones that say, I can learn more instruction and I can be wiser. The wise person says, I can increase in learning. The wise person is the one that looks at someone that corrects them and changes them and says, I love that person for what they've said. Uh, One of my person I think is the most wisest man I ever knew is Aaron's grandfather, John Alexander. And uh, this is the interesting thing about him. The older he got, the more teachable he was and the better listener he was. I think back, I used to talk my ear off to him. And he used to go, you know, Dan, that's a good point. This guy knew more than I will ever know. But he was teachable. He listened. And that was a mark of wisdom. And it also, he, the older he got, the more humble he became. Is that true of you? <laughs> the older you get, the more humble you are. The better you listen. The more teachable you are. See, don't you see? The greater that we grow in our knowledge of God, the greater how holy and different He is than us, And the more we realize how we are not Him. And the more that His holiness grows, and the more the reality of that we are messed up, the greater Christ grows. But are you that kind of person that when your spouse corrects you, (laughs) when your friend says you need to live a certain way, you go, man, thanks for loving me. I'm just so glad you love me in that way by telling me I should live this way. In fact, 
you look at, you know, maybe fun things you have, gifts like your car or maybe, uh, you know, going to a football game, fun gifts, silver bracelets, I don't know what it is for you. And you say, you know what? All those gifts pale in comparison to your advice. Because your advice, like the Proverbs said, is like gold. <laughs> you say that? Oh, man, I, I would rather have your advice, that, the way that I should live. I'd rather hear these words of correction in God's word than having things, because they are more valuable than gold. You guys, you guys believe? I know, Garrett does. Garrett is there. Why don't we? Why don't we see correction and rebuke in that way? Why don't we take it as someone loves us when they speak that way? Why don't we see it as more precious than gold? I'm going to answer this question and that's how I'm going to land the plane. 1 Corinthians 1, 20-25. It says this. It's so good. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. For we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to the Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the, wisdom, is the, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. If you believe that Christ is your righteousness, meaning he makes your life right, if you believe that Christ is your values, if you believe that Christ is your foundation, when someone says you are not a good friend, you do not love me well as a spouse, you do not spend money well, Dad, you are not a good father when you act this way. Instead of crushing us and defeating us, it will embolden us. Because our value is found in Christ alone. Do you get that? Do you believe that? Why am I just totally crushed and totally defeated when someone might say, you need to work on your preaching in this area? When it might be true. Because my value is maybe in how I perform in my preaching rather than my value that is in, should be in Christ. Do you see? I should be able to hear that correction and go, please, bring it on. I need to be better. And I can hear that because ultimately my value is in God alone, not in my preaching. Not in these other things. God, does he want me to be better at it? Yes. Does he want me to be a better father, a better friend? Absolutely. But is being on that foundation that allows me to hear the rebuke that might come and then grow in it. 
You know, teachability, you say, I'll never be, I can't be teachable. I've screwed up in so many different ways. How can I be teachable now? You can be teachable even if you have screwed up in the greatest ways. You want an illustration? You want to see two fools? Two people that were not teachable, that even came to the point where their folly led them to destruction and death? They were there at the end, weren't they? They were two criminals that stood next to Christ or hung next to Christ. And here they saw the Savior of the world dying on the cross, the one that was above them, the one they were supposed to fear and love and care about. And you see right there in that picture the way of wisdom and the way of folly. The way of one that is teachable and fears and the way that says, I'm going to live my own way. I never saw this until now in reading this passage again. But it goes right back to Proverbs. Remember what the one criminal said to the other criminal? Do you remember what he said? That he, this criminal is rebuking Jesus. Get yourself off the cross. And what does that criminal say to the other one? Do you not fear God? Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we are receiving our just reward. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he turned to Jesus and said, Remember me when we come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Do you stand in awe of Christ? Do you fear him? Do you say he knows the way to go better than I know the way to go? That I will learn and be teachable from him. I will no longer live the way that I think I should live, but I'm going to live under his direction and his control. All this stuff in Proverbs is junk, is nothing, if you do not come under the authority of God. If you are not teachable, if you do not listen, it matters nothing. Because you will not be able to learn it, and hear it, and listen to it, and live by it. Come under his authority and control And then you will be wise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the Proverbs.